The QPR podcast is in association with 101greatgoals.com. For post-match Premier League press conferences, FIFA 15 videos, freestyle clips and much more, subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash 101greatgoalsyt. QPR! Hello and welcome to the QPR podcast that's got a live one next week in the good ship Kilburn on Tuesday. Please come down and support the podcast because without you we can't function. It literally means turn up, get a ticket and support us. Anyway, enough of a plea. Um, I'm joined tonight, this is Paul Finney by the way, just in case you didn't notice, by, <laughs> well you might not have noticed, I've had a terrible week but we'll get on to that in a second. Clive, how you, him? How you doing? From Lawful Words. Thank you. you, yeah you got that wrong. Really. You, you're here, how are you? Great, yeah terrific, really yeah. enthused and optimistic about everything. Yeah. Keeping well? Yeah, yeah great, still alive. Brilliant. Did you go on the pitch on, on Saturday? I think you should move on to the next person. <laughs> right. Did I go on the pitch I'm just to thinking. see our wonderful footballers and sing Tony Fernandez's name? No, Paul. Right. We're also joined by Chris Mendes. Of course, David Fraser always says of talk sport, of everything, but I'm just going to say... I don't work for talk sport. No, but so David Fraser doesn't say that. No, no. He, he used to. Um, this is Chris Mendes of ITV Sport. Used to be of talk sport. <laughs> Shut up in the corner person <laughs> laughing. And um, yeah, and without her, Joel. How are you? Are you keeping well? Uh, not too bad. I'm a bit um, hay feverish, but yeah, good. You are a bit, aren't you? Stru- heavy weekend. And you're, you're stuck by side of a load of flowers I know, as well. it's beautiful. And we've just heard that what's been happening in this room in the past few years. Yes. Not yeah, good. we don't talk about that. If you want to keep having this room for free, <laughs> we don't talk about that. We're also joined by Martin Miller. Is it Millard? Yeah, that's right. Yep, got it right. Sorry. Who's also in a band called Orange Goblin, I believe. Yeah, and, right, Yep. <laughs> I'm being patronised me on put. There's going to be laws against that sort of thing. People just can't come in here and patronise me. That's like, really, that's his job. Anyway, welcome to the podcast, Martin. Nice to see you here. Thanks for having me. It's your first one. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> right, we've also got, welcome Paul Hull, who sits near me and is a plumber, and he's very good. Hello, Allegedly. Paul. Thank you, Paul. And a QPR fan. We're all Rangers fans, apart from our engineer, who's somebody An else. fan, apparently. He is. To be fair. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Nice to see you here the first time. Thank you for having right. me, Paul. I'm going to... We're going to just... This week, we're going to just... Last week's... By the way, Sean Walsh, if you're listening, I'm sorry you didn't last past 12 minutes. I do apologise. Um, I didn't think last week was that bad, but then I didn't listen back to it. So did, did, it, did you, anyone listen to the podcast? I did, yeah. I, I what do you think? As I said earlier, I thought it was therapeutic. You had to get all the... Sad, the bit what you said earlier with the angst. <laughs> it sounds like what you mean. We just we just turn up and met. Yeah, it sounds okay. like it sounds like I'm fishing. I'm not. Carry on, Martin. Favorite guest ever. It was uh, therapeutic. I listened to it. I thought it was all right. I didn't mind it. Oh, okay. You had to get all the angst and you know you had to talk about it. Would it have been it. wrong to have a podcast where you tried to be funny when you've just been really good? That's why I thought afterwards. I, yeah. I didn't really know. Do you know what I mean, Claire? What, what, do you come in and you just ignore the whole season and go, hey, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be relegated. I don't know. I don't know. We knew what, it was coming. So. What, what are you going to do? Lie? Well, this is it. And people got on there and said, oh, it's a bit depressing. It's a bit little... And I do appreciate people listening because we, we, we rely on feedback, but we are allowed the one season kind of moan up, are we not? Where you kind of put all your eggs in one basket and realise that all the bad eggs have actually took you down. It was a bit heartbreaking. And that's what annoys me. Right, let's start the podcast on one theme. 
Saturday, people on the pitch celebrating relegation. Am I the only person that finds that really weird, or do we all find that no. a bit strange? I find it weird every year, to be honest. There's okay. no need to be on there. But I mean, if you're celebrating something like really like promotion, then of course and I can understand that. Like against Wigan, I can understand their overpour emotion last year, last season. Oldham and Oldham, of course. But I don't know. I don't really get the end of season pitch run. I think, I think to be honest, Paul, I think the reason people actually went on there was to show the support for the club. To be honest, yeah, I mean, I don't think people were actually there actually celebrating. I think some people on there probably protesting, like you see that mercenary out sign. And I think personally, it was just um, maybe just a little bit of um, over exuberance at times. But it was, um, I think, it's more of a support to say we are QPR, and they, then people on the pitch will be there back next season. To be honest, that's, that's how I looked at it. Should have given them a ball, have some trials. We need some players for next season. Maybe, to be honest. I mean, I think there was, a, there, was a, there was a good running down the wings, I see there. Like, to be honest, yeah, but. What do you think, Clive? I think I haven't seen a match um, this week anywhere where it's been somebody's last home game and people haven't run on the pitch. And I don't remember that being the case sort of even 10 years ago. It seems to be this weird thing that's grown up now. It's the last game of the season, regardless of what's happened, we all run on the pitch. And I don't. I don't, I don't really understand that. The only time that it's actually sort of genuinely annoyed me was when they were trying to take the championship trophy around the whole pitch, and it didn't, oh, yeah, yeah. it didn't get the whole way around because people kept coming on, and, yeah. and what, that's the only time it really annoyed me. If you want to run on the pitch and jump up and down and sing Tony Fernandez's name after this season, then more power to your elbow. I'm going back to the crown. Excellent. Well, you just didn't really say what you felt there, Clive. I, said, <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes wonder if you should get off the fence and say what you really think. Because you, 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 you mess yeah. around with your words. Well, don't, people, don't say it as it is. People see, need their heads examining. See, I, it was a bit weird for me Saturday because I went to work and uh, I heard the interview with Les Ferdinand in the van <laughs> when it was working. Um, and it was kind of weird because Les was kind of like saying QPRs are known for bringing in players from non-league and youth team and everything else. And then I think, yeah, but... 20 years ago, Paul. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, I know, but it is. But then, you know, then you look at things and you think, well, Southampton have got an academy in Ludbrook Grove. Norwich have got Norwich. one round the corner, whatever. This should not happen because if Ridge were... Am I wrong? I don't know how these things work, but I was thinking if you're on top of your game, you should not let these things happen and you're kind of sleepwalking when this sort of thing happens. And maybe that's the thing that QPR have been doing. Everyone keeps saying lessons learned and this. I've been banging on for years that we don't involve the community enough we don't scout enough we don't have the right youth structure enough and it's all been sticky to it by the fact that we've managed to bring players in and get promotion and everyone forgets but this has been coming for a hell of a long time it's if we're honest we've never done that really looking back we've never done that for as long as I can remember in the community I mean it's, we should start for sure but it's, it's, we've never really you've got a whole great estate there for the thousands of people who we don't really we don't tap into enough, I don't think. Okay. We haven't unearthed anyone in years. No, no. Not even someone who's um, not, not necessarily raised for our new um, system, but someone plucked out of non-league like a, like a, um, like a John, like a... Um, Les Ferdinand. Yeah, yeah or someone, you know, Ev- Everton have done it even with players who were playing in, a, in like Seamus Coleman was... Well, there was a certain player that went to Liverpool, though, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the thing is, we used to get them from, I mean, you know, going back, we, we got... One of the first to come over from the Irish non-league circuit was McGee, if I'm right, in the 70s. And, yeah. And then we we had, like, Mac, we had each, I'm not talking about myself here, being Irish. And then we had David McCreary, we had Billy Hamilton. We seemed, 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we seem to have the right scouts at the right place because so we've identified our plan. Well, we sold. Why don't we get scouts to go up to the north of the country as well if it's too populated? They should, you know, maybe think outside the box if so, Nor- Norwich and Southampton are okay. doing it down there. Here's. Right. We're not going to have a moan up. We're just going to say. I'm going to go to Paul Company in a second. Clive, where have we gone wrong in the last four years? And keep it brief because people have got work to do tomorrow. Christ, on a tiny motorbike. You want me to do that briefly? Like. Yeah. Basically, anything we could have done wrong over the last four years, we have. Okay. So if that's that's it, briefly, we've done. We haven't made a right move. So when they say lessons learned, when they say that we've learned, well, it's rubbish, isn't it? You can you can look at the squad we've got and look at the coverage we had last week and look at the league table. It's absolute rubbish. The only difference between it seems between this team and uh, the previous team that went down is they've managed to keep a lid on all this. So and so refused to come off the bench, and so and so stormed out in the team hotel until the end of the season. Whereas last time with Basinga and whatever, it all came out during the season. So there was that poison sort of during the season. And they, they've managed to keep a lid on that. The things that we've, we've been discussing there, they're not quick fixes. You know, you can't just open a youth academy. You can't just set up a scouting operation. You can't, you know, just open a training ground or whatever. What we've essentially done is wasted four years and 200 million quid. So, I mean, we can start all that now, but, you know, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a quick fix. And, as I've, I've, as I've said on this uh, podcast before recently, Redknapp got pelters for not picking the kids, and absolutely rightly so. I think he did things last season in the championship, like playing Luke Young at centre back in a meaningless game at Blackburn when we already knew what position we were going to be in, yeah. and Luke Young, who's not a centre back and hadn't played for two years, he picked him at centre back. So, and he was signing like he signed a Gucci on Yewu and didn't use him. Why couldn't Maxima have sat on the bench? So he got pelters for doing things like that, and absolutely rightly so. But Chris Ramsey came in and he picked Darnell Furlong, who I thought played well at Hull and got schooled by Sanchez and got schooled by Balassi when he had no help from Wright Phillips. Okay, But we didn't have any other right-backs to pick at that point. It's not like he put him in ahead of anybody. Yeah. We had injuries and whatever. He did exactly what Redknapp had been getting pelters for. And because Furlong had a bad time in the, uh, the Arsenal Palace game, Suddenly, all the people that are giving Redknapp pelters were going, well, yeah, but I wouldn't have picked him in that game. I wouldn't have picked him in that game. We should have signed some more players in January. So while this attitude that we should always sign more players continues, you know, that's just, that's just going to prevail at the club, isn't it? We cannot, we're always, oh, if we'd appointed a different manager and signed five different players, that's been the attitude at QPR for the last four years. Everything can be fixed by five more signings. And as long as that prevails, then you can talk about your youth academies and training ground, whatever, until you're blue in the face. Because that's all they've done in four years. Just sign more players. Happy thoughts, people. Happy thoughts. You did ask. I, I, no, and quite yeah, rightly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but then what... So the solution to the problem we are... Um, we've, got to try and keep the, we've got to try and keep listeners. So Les Ferdinand's a solution, we hope. Yeah. I really, really hope he is. He's sending a lot of right stuff... He's, he's, you know, he's the barman at the last chance saloon, isn't he? We, I just really hope that he is right because he's said a lot of the right stuff. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he, there has to be more to it than him just being a club legend. And um, I'm sure he, he has a plan and it has to go, like Clive said, it has to go beyond this transfer window and he has to have a plan in place for the next one, um, depending on how we're doing and the one after that, depending on whether we've stayed up, <clears throat> um, gone down or gone back up to the Premier League. There has to be like a long-term strategy and vision. Um in place like you know and it's and it's a big a big thing on him that's why Ramsey I think was is a sensible choice because whoever the manager is to take over he has to get on with Ferdinand and has to have a good rela- working relationship with him so you think Ramsey is actually a good choice for manager and, and to take us forward or coach 
I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think there are, there are drawbacks. There are a lot of drawbacks and there are a lot of things that I'm not sure about with him. Like, is you know, I've seen a lot of the, the football we've played has been, you know, centre-backs at full-back and knocking it long to Bobby Zamora. Now, is that a man working with what he's got? I think it probably is. But I don't want to see him go out giving a chance to put his team together and he just goes and buys the championship equivalent of Bobby Zamora and we're playing Rotherham on a Tuesday night, punting it long like that next season. But... He's already a year into the club and six months into the job, so he's going to know all of the drawbacks and challenges that comes with it. And he's already sort of well in with the squad and he's going to know what we need. Um, so I, th- I think there is a strong argument for, for, for giving him the job. What would I say about Chris Ramsey? Some of these team selections at times have been questionable, especially maybe the Palace away game and that. But we've played a lot better football underneath him with his leadership and some players it's like Matty Phillips he's been absolutely if it was a straw poll under Chris Ramsey player of the season he would be player of the season under Chris Ramsey yeah and then obviously got, the question's got to be how can Harry Redknapp can more or less destroy a player like him who's got, he's, I think he's got, now he's got the most assists in Europe yeah yeah. I mean if a club's been relegated I mean that, that that's phenomenal really but you've got so the guy Chris Ramsey has obviously got a skill with with training and man management, I just think he needs somebody else to come alongside him to help him maybe do the sort of like the day to day management of the actual football team. But well, we're going to be in a championship next year. We could be a maybe under a transfer embargo or something like that. We don't know what's going to happen. But I think we need to bring somebody else alongside him. The guy's obviously got a talent, that is for certain. Because to turn a play like that, I mean, he looked dead and buried under Harry Red now. I yeah. think that Philip stands as a sort of you know, a big thing on Chris Ramsey's profile as a, as a reason you would give him the job. Because like I've said, all the solution since this board and probably the previous board as well has always been to sign five more players. And if they don't immediately hit the ground running and they're doing well, then, oh, he's he's crap. It was a bad signing. We'll get another signing, get another signing. What Ramsey's done with Phillips is he's improved a player. He's coached a player and a player who wasn't playing well has improved. So you might have said at Christmas, oh, well, we need a right winger. Well, we don't now because we've improved Matt Phillips. We've actually coached someone and improved him. And I can't remember, you know, apart from Charlie Austin, who was a bloody good centre forward when he arrived, players, you know, it's not just there's been no youth team players coming in. It's been players, what player has come to QPR in the last four or five years and actually improved on what they were before? I would say almost none. So that he improved Matt Phillips. So that's another sort of positive. You, you think maybe you could do that with other players. I think going back to Les, I think he has to be left to do the job. Like, he's, how long has he been? Six months? And already I'm seeing Rangers fans on social media getting saying it's, it's publicity stunt, it's this, that. He has to, I mean, it's got to be a long-term plan. He, I mean, we can't really, we're not really going to see what he's doing for another probably two to three years, I reckon. So they've just got to leave him be and leave him get on with it. And, you know, and I think he'll do, it, his heart's there, obviously, but he, he went, he's not, they're not going to bring someone in just to be, well, the cynical people would say they brought him in to, you know, be the face of the club and take some of the pressure away from people behind him. But I don't know. I don't, I'm not that. I'm a cynical man. But I don't think I'm that cynical. So I, I maybe am that cynical, and uh, you know, I think that is a strong possibility. I hope it, it that it, it goes it's really that, yeah. that it that it's not that, but you know, that that is a possibility. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I kind of like agree. Um, kind of agree with both of you. You know, I do, I do think 
Um, it would be crazy if they did that. But at the same time, if Les Ferdinand had not played for QPR, there's no way they would have given him that job. No, he hadn't, true. Yeah. But at the same time, the purge of QPR people working at QPR that Palladini basically you know, breathe fire over anybody yeah. with any kind of QPR connection that worked to QPR because then I you... I was banned than him. No, carry on. Because then you... Be, <laughs> because then you can't... You know, you can't operate in the way that Palladini and later Briatori wanted <coughs> to operate you if there are QPR people that... Fans want QPR people in mm. the club, but then when someone comes in, it's all a front. So we can't have it... It's either... You know, we can't... It's not both yeah. ways. So we have to kind of just go, okay, this is the situation. And I, I agree, some of the decisions made over the last few years have been... I mean, it's consistently poor. So we, you know, the scepticism is there from all of us. But I think we have to give Les some time to, to get his ideas and thoughts and processes into place. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just we're going to go round and round in a circle, shooting ourselves in the foot. There was a, the thread on our message board last week, just titled "What Does Les Ferdinand Actually Do?" He's been here six months. Well, you know what? Probably, you know what? What on earth do you? What on earth do you want from me? Director of football at a club with long-term problems. He what probably, do you want? He probably stopped us signing some people in January. That would have been a mistake. You don't know, yeah. No one knows. I mean, the thing <clears> is, <throat> my, my take in January was was Redknapp's revenge. He knew that Les coming in was going to undermine him, whether he liked it or not, because he couldn't get away with things. He knew that Tony had lost fear for them because otherwise, why would he bring Les in? So he was like, tried whatever he could could do. In my opinion so he screws over and he did a brilliant job because we couldn't sign anyone we couldn't improve the squad or deeper. we couldn't get players out in loan we couldn't do this we couldn't do that I think, I think Chris has got it right I think Redknapp tried to sign all the usual Redknapp players you would have expected him to sign in January and got stopped yeah. and so he like you say yeah. thought well that's how it's going to be my position's gone here so I'm going to wait until the day after the transfer window closes and then I'm going to resign Right enough talk about where we've been where we're going to somebody last week was, was quite Outspoken in his views of the whole thing of QPR, and that was Peter Hucker. And I think we should give Peter a ring and see what he's got to say for himself. We're going to give him a ring. Hi, Peter. Um, last week on Twitter, you, you said a few things about QPR and about your club and how you felt it was all going very wrong on Twitter. What did you actually mean by that? I'm just, I'm just getting fed up with people blaming everybody for this and blaming everyone for that. Uh, at the end of the day, what's happened has happened. It's happened before. Get over it. Get on with it. Stop bringing the club down. Simple. What do you mean, like players, fans, or...? Oh, oh, everybody. I just... Everybody was... You know, there wasn't anything positive being said about the club at all. Now, if you've got nothing to nothing positive to say, don't say anything. You know, everybody's gutted. Everybody's down. You know, I'm sure the players didn't intend to get relegated. I'm sure the managers who've been there didn't intend to get relegated. I'm sure the chairman doesn't intend to get relegated. Whatever's gone wrong has gone wrong. Now's the time to shut up, put up, and start putting it right. What does the, what does the club need to do to put it right, Peter? Where, where do we start? Well, I think you've got to sort your management out, make sure they're there, they know how long they're going to be there for, give them the money they need to build, but not stupid money. Um, I think with Les, they, Les Ferdinand, they've probably got somebody in place who knows a little bit more about the game. We'll know who's worth what, you know, hopefully. They've got to rebuild their youth policy, that is for sure. Um, I mean, from what I'm seeing there, that's a disaster. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> I'm just going back in the day when they were producing player after player after player 
um, and the spirit and the whole club. You know, I don't know how it works with QPR at the moment, but I know how it works with other clubs. When I was 13, during the holidays, I used to go and train with the first team. We used to be together. It used to be the whole thing. You know, you were there. You were amongst them. You were around them. Now it just seems like there's the first team are there. They do exactly what they want, how they want. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any respect in the club anymore for anybody. I don't know. It just they just get got fed up with reading about it. Do you think Chris Ramsey's the right man now to lead him forward? Someone who's worked in youth who could possibly integrate the, all of the age groups and and make the club. No, no you don't. Not in that respect. You, you need a first team manager who can who can look after the first team. But what you need is to, to get these kids feeling they're part of the club. When I went to QPR, wasn't one of the biggest clubs in the world. Had some great players in it. Were just you know just coming through. I had the opportunity to go to Arsenal. I had the opportunity to go to Chelsea. Um, QPR the podcast. Was, was, was two hours travelling, you know, twice a week. But just felt so at home there. It was the only club that I chose. I don't know if that's that's the case anymore. I, I think I think the last incumbents of the youth system weren't the best choices, having worked with them before. The thing is, Peter, when you when you came to QPR and you met Jim Gregory, what was that yep. like? I mean, were you told about the history of the club? What, did you feel part of it? But Jim Gregory was quite a formidable character, wasn't he? Yeah, Jim. I mean, you know. You don't get involved with Jim until you're, you know, you're a professional and you're signing contracts. You know, but nowadays the players don't even go in and sign their contracts, do they? They just send some, some two bob agent in to screw as much money as they can out of them because if you don't get paid, the agent don't get paid. In my day, to sign professional, you know, I signed professional with Dave Sexton, and he was there when I signed. You know, he was the manager of the club, he was at the club. And then, you know, as you go on, you, you get him to meet Jim Gregory a little bit more. But, you know, the thing with Jim Gregory, local boy, loved his club. Simple. Now, uh, you know, I don't, are there any, there's about five chairmen now you can say that about. You know, I was reading a little bit today, um, and Tony Fernandez, I think, has got all the right um, will. But just again, you know, I saw a quote today where he said, oh, QPR has done my airline business the world of good. Well, surely that's not the way to work, is it? You don't buy a club to make one of your other businesses look good. Hmm. You know, you'd never get Jim Gregory doing that. Is it is uh, is one of the the problems at, at QPR now? Sort of standards of behaviour, you know, among the players. There doesn't. It seems to be all about individuals and egos and their own profile, and r- rather than the sort of collective will of the team. When you when you were at QPR, was it you know there were people that would would quickly get you in line if if you were like that? Is it? And have you seen those those standards slip in the, in the, in the sort of modern era? Yeah, definitely in the modern era. You know, not not just QPR. Um, too many players. Too much money. At the end of the day, there's too much money in football. Um, you know, they're demanding ridiculous amounts of money uh, and and holding the you know guns to to, to chairman's heads. I think the chairman have got to turn around and say, yeah, you probably are one of the best players in the world, but hey ho, go and play somewhere else. Well, that's that's an interesting when you say that, Peter, because we won't mention names, but somebody there was two ex players, well, one current player, one ex player having a on Twitter last week, and. Actually, we will mention names: Joey Barton and Rodney Marsh. Where Joey turned around more or less to Rodney and said, "You wouldn't last in the modern game 
etc. How, how do you think that's true? Is it fair to compare generations to generations with football or? Because when I remember being a kid, the balls were heavy, the boots weren't the same, so it works both ways, surely, doesn't it? If, I mean, Jordy Best would be a good, a good player today. Stan Bulls would be a good player today. Rodney Marsh would be a good player today. Does it really matter, do you think, or has Joey got a point? Right, well, everybody has their own era. That That's, you know, in, in, in all walks of life. You know, everything has their own era. Uh, you know, just silly thing like a telephone. <laughs> You'd have to go down the end of the road to a phone box to make a phone call. It had its era. That's not to say that that system wasn't as good as the system now. Mm. It's just different. And, and I do agree. Players are a lot fitter. Uh, the game is a lot quicker. The balls are lighter. The money's ridiculous. You know, it, it's just uh, above everybody's wildest dreams, the money. Um, but I think the money goes to their head too quickly. As I said, I, I was playing in the reserves at 15 years old. And like when I went in my first game, I played Arsenal reserves at Highbury. I played a school game in the morning, went to Highbury in the afternoon to play in a reserve game. Malcolm McDonald was playing on the other team. I walked in there. I had my own boots, my own gloves, and that was it. Now you see 11-year-olds walking about with two or three hundred pounds worth of equipment and, and thinking that they're now they've made it whatever club academy they're at now they're 11 year olds you know so i think it's rotten all the way through people have got to get back to the values that you play football for the enjoyment first of all not for the money rodney marsh played for the enjoyment sam bowles played for the enjoyment you know now i understand you have to earn a living there's no doubt in that but you know the amounts they earn today are just ridiculous so i just think everybody's era is their era, but you can't go disrespecting a player of Rodney Marsh's ability. You know, we went out and played for him when he was manager at Tampa, and I don't know how he was then, maybe 50. He was doing things with the football Jay Barton couldn't even dream of, you know, when he was 50. Don't disrespect people. Peter, Peter, that's the... um... Let them do their job. I saw the whole, all the comments, all it was, what Rodney Marsh was saying, was that if you don't know what your agent's saying... Sack him. <laughs> but we Pete, know that he probably does know what he's saying. Otherwise, you would sack him, wouldn't you? Well, Peter, Peter, that's the thing. Even if Joey Barton does have a point about players from a bygone era not sort of coping very well in the modern game with all the speed and the fitness, is it right that the captain of QPR on the eve of a match is spending his time coating off s- someone who by any sort of uh, standard was one of our greatest ever players? Is it right that, that modern-day QPR players are, are doing that? Does, that? does that not say something about the standards that the, uh, the squad is currently being held to? Absolutely. You know, that, that is it. What right has he got to slag off people that he probably never even saw play, doesn't know anything about them? And that's not knowing the history of your club. You know, and and that is the way of the game now. You know, when I played, I was a London boy. I played for a London club. Um, you know, you knew all the players. I came from West Ham era. So Bobby Moore, Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters were like gods to people, you know, where I lived. But you knew the thing. And you never dream of slagging them off, you know. And, and at the end of the day, what's the point? What, what point is he making? I, I don't understand what. I think I think the problem with Joey is he likes to have an opinion on everything. Well, have an opinion on anything. Keep it to yourself. Everybody else does. That's very true. Now, one thing I will I will talk to you about, Peter. 
and I'm going to bring things back a wee bit, like to the FA Cup final. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was a, being a kid in Ireland. I know everyone who listens to the podcast knows that I might be Irish and also dyslexic and celiac. I know all that. But that was the first time I seen QPR live. Um, and that shows you how much the world has changed because basically next season, even though we're in a championship, people are going to see loads of live QPR games all around the world. But when I was a kid, that was my first ever live QPR game and I cried my eyes out. Um, what was it like for you? Um, well, I think the first thing, for me personally, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go and go, I can't remember what it was, the 20th senior game or something silly like that. You know, there I was suddenly playing the cup final when at the time they still actually meant something. You know, to play at Wembley was an honour and a privilege because not many people did it, you know. I'm now getting misty eyed thinking about it. Sorry? I'm, even now I'm getting misty eyed thinking about it when I was 10 or 11 at the time, just sitting on TV, seeing Rangers on TV. But you were on the coach yep. that I was watching going to the stadium. You were, What was that like? Oh, just, just incredible. You know, the fans at the side of the road. It, it was party atmosphere. Good for us because we were the underdogs, you know. We were second division side against Tottenham, Tottenham mighty side, you know, at the time. Weren't given much hope. So for me, I, I went into that game personally with the, I can't really lose here. If they beat us 4-0, everyone will go, Tottenham are great. They'd be, you know, what a great team. If we won, it would have been, you know, something beyond our belief. Although Wimbledon, you know, did it later, beat, beat the side that, uh, where they were underdogs. But for us to score so late, it was like on the first game, it was like winning. We were much more disappointed with the second game when we thought we outplayed them uh, and, didn't get the, and didn't actually get the breaks. You know, if we'd have lost 4-1 in the first game, we'd have put our hands up and gone, yeah, they probably had that many more chances than we did. Um, they were probably slightly the better side on that first day. But to have etched out a draw right at the death, I mean, that was like winning because, you know, you're two or three minutes away. You're just thinking, tired legs, we're not going to get anything. And it really is, you know, we've got one last chance and it's, you know, a throw-in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just chuck everybody up there and it worked. But then we went out and played the second game where we really felt that we outplayed Spurs. Um, and we were more disappointed, I think, um, the fact that we'd outplayed them and lost. You know, again, if they'd have outplayed us and beat us, thing. but, you know, we just didn't get the rub of the green in the, reserve, in the uh, replay. Hello, Peter. It's Paul Hull. Um, I was fortunate enough to um, be at both them two games. And I was, one thing I always remember was actually... The sheer pride of um of all the QPR fans, but especially when the boys walked out and they had the blue and white tracksuit tops on at Wembley, and because yeah. just seen the blue and white hoops for the first yeah. time walk out at Wembley was actually phenomenal. And um, very I was always remember well, was we done the ticket for that game was actually five pounds to stand there on yeah. that day, which is actually something which um, modern football fans probably find amazing. But um, yeah. I just always remember, Pete, and I've got to say thank you, is your performance in two games, especially the first game, you was actually phenomenal, mate. And it's it's something that um, my, my dad, my granddad, who's now not with us anymore, we've always talked about you, Peter, and um, I'd just like personally to thank you without doing a finny line. It was um, personally, I'd like to thank you there, Peter. It's actually amazing, mate. So, well, um, thanks. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that it, it gave some, again, pride to the club. You know, I've been there since I was 13, you know, I was 22, really, when I 
first got into the side, I played a game you know, sort of as a young kid. I've been put out on loan here, you know, and you, you were get, I was getting to the point where I love this club, but to play football, I'm going to have to go. And then all of a sudden, everything changed, um, you know, and I was just happy that I could repay, firstly, Terry Venable's faith in me because, you know, to be fair, he's going with a, tri- a John Burridge was a tried and tested goalkeeper, you know, and here I was, all right. You know, I played well in reserve games and I'm sure they were, you know, but then to throw me in and it was the third round of the cup that year, the first game, you know, it could have gone horribly wrong right at the start. Um, but I just felt so relaxed with it. <clears throat> As I said, we were the underdogs on the day. Um, at my goalkeeping coach, Bob Wilson, was working for BBC and uh, and he said, I'll come behind your goal. He said, I'll stand behind your goal. And... Um, Every time the ball went behind, I, I, you know, I was just having a laugh and a joke with him. And he said, you know, I've never seen somebody so relaxed. But as I said, I had nothing to lose. I have a great game. Everyone goes, oh, wonder kid, you know, fantastic, brilliant. Blah, blah. You know, made a couple of mistakes. It was a you know, young kid, a bit nervous. So I never felt I had anything to lose, really. What I want to ask you, though, you know when your man took that penalty? Yeah. What was going through your mind? Because I know what was going through mine, which is feck, 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 feck. So what was going through yours? <laughs> uh, always, uh, nearly all penalties, I always picked a side guest. And if I was right, I was right. If I was wrong, I was wrong. And, and to be fair, over my career at QPR, I had quite a good penalty-saving record um, uh, thing. But, but it is just, I just guessed. You know, you try and look at the shape of their run-up. Players today, you know, it's much harder to tell. The shorter the run up, the harder it was. But you know, you just tried to guess. Um, if I'm honest, and uh, didn't work out for me that day. <laughs> no, not me, Peter. Peter, yeah, what no. what made Terry Venables so good at QPR? Uh, just, just man management. Absolutely knew how to handle every single player. You know who to put his arm round, who to kick up the backside. Um, he's. Every single day in training, there was something new. He'd, he'd gone away and thought about something. I think his biggest problem came <laughs> coming towards the end. You know, we had sometimes we had fifteen variations on a free kick, and uh, <laughs> and, and Pete Porry and Stewart couldn't remember the first two. So, uh, <laughs> Good old Ian. Good old Ian. Yeah, great player. Great player that he was. Uh, but Ben used to do a couple, and then when he got a couple wrong, he went, "Oh, Stewie, just do what you want." <laughs> but, but he was you know and he was funny Terry was funny the, every training session was a laugh uh, Alan Harris right, was his sidekick and you know I can tell you some great stories about the, the sto- well one of the stories we had we used to come out uh, and it was, I think uh, there was an international week on so a few players were missing and I think there was 12 of us coming out and Harry went oh great today he said uh, 12 of us we can have a five aside you know and just, <laughs> Was one of them. And then, uh, then as, as Terry had sent him up to Aston Villa to watch a game, and we were playing him on the Saturday. So uh, we're in the hotel doing the team talk, and uh, he said, I'm going to hand over to Alan, he said, because he's watched them play, and he'll do the team talk work thing. So, so Harry's going, yeah, well, I've got so-and-so. He's big, good at the fast stick, and this, that, and the other. He said, but they're full-back, Stewie. He said, you'll take him to the pictures. And immediately, Venice stood up and said, you have to excuse Harry. He said, where he lives, the pictures is next door to the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs>
fantastic. But, but just as quick as that, you know. Uh, you know, he was, uh, I, th- I think Ben has loved uh, Al Laris because, because he made hundreds of mistakes, uh, <laughs> and and Ben has sort of fed off them. Uh, that was funny. And, and one last one, we were out doing the training session. There was uh, Al Laris and Frank McClintock were taking it. So he said, "We're going to do some sprints, boys." He said, uh, "What you ought to turn your backs to me and Frank." He said, uh, "If I clap." you run towards me. And if Frank claps, you run the other way. <laughs> so we're all standing there with our backs to him. How the fuck do we know? <laughs> 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 he can see it. That's the funniest thing. He can see it. I'm like, just creasing about. And like, Alan's going, what? 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 You know, no. Right. That was it. That was the camaraderie. That that was that was the um, team spirit. You know, we would play when I first got there. Even day Sexton, you know, they played reserves against first team, and you would think it was an all-out war. It weren't no kickabout. You know, there was no no quarter given. But at the end of the day, there were no fights either. Everyone knew what to expect. Everybody respected everybody. Um, it was just different. Uh, I, I don't think I'd like to be in the dressing room in today's football. Uh, I just think I, I just think that era's gone now. You know, wouldn't speak the language of most of them anyway. So, um, Peter, uh, Peter, it was a, it was a two part question. Um, the second part is what made Alan Mullery so bad. Where shall I start? If I told you our first meeting with Alan Mullery, he He's and I. Uh, I'll, is it all right to swear? <laughs> yes. And, and <laughs> yes. He, he, his, he got us all in and said, uh, uh, "Okay, guys." He said, "I've been a uh, Barclays banker as a coach and a manager." He said, uh, "And I don't expect to do a lot better now." He said, "But I'll give it a go if you're all with me." That's what he said. <laughs> Great start. No. That that was his that was his opening thing. I've never seen so many players square up to a manager at different times. There must have been four or five players who went nose to nose with him. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was it. Was awful. Yeah. Awful. He was an absolute joke. He had no. You know, we we come from probably the best tactics tactician in England to probably the most naive. You know, in one foul swoop, and and in, and in between, Gordon Jago came and went in seven days. But you know, but it, we went from Terry Venables to Alan Mallory, and it was just, it was ridiculous. He was never, you know, he was putting on sessions that people just saying, "Well, what what are we doing? I don't understand what we're doing." You know, we don't, and, and he'd look and go and and say, "Yeah, yeah, I don't really understand either." Did that include trips to Belgrade as well? Sorry? Did that include the trip to Belgrade as well? The trip to Belgrade. But when he came down the dressing room and said, I've got to get back on the pitch because there's extra time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not so funny, really, is it? But really, did he do... Is that actually true, seriously? That is true. No. That is true. The, the, um, the dressing rooms came up behind the goals. The, the like we came up the stairs behind the one of the goals, and we were in that goal second half. Obviously, 
dejected, whatever, you know, absolutely gutted. Again, Muller's tactics said, um, you know what we're going to do today? He said, uh, we're going to cash him out, we'll play one up front. And we thought, well, that's OK, I understand that. He said, yeah, he said, but we're going to play him wide. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. Oh, and the man he played wide was Clive Allen. He couldn't <laughs> play wide if you if you give him. You stick him in, in the penalty box, he'll score you 10 goals. But we're going to play wide. You've got to try and hit him wide. And that's why, if, if I remember rightly, their, um, their sweeper, I think, scored three goals because he was, had a big cigar and slippers on. Didn't have anything <laughs> to do. So he came up and totally, you know, outfoxed us. But no, end of the game, dejected, walked down the tunnel, just get into the dressing room door, Muller's come running down. Pete, Pete, you've got to get back up. It's extra time. Why? It's extra time. Why? We've lost cutaway goals, Alan. You're not, uh, no, you've got to have extra time. Uh, yeah, and I just looked at him and went, I just laughed. <laughs> and we didn't get a laugh for that. You <laughs> know what? Can I just say, from a wee kid in Belfast, because did I mention Belfast yet? Uh, probably, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I cried my eyes out. That, that, and But it was with pride because of what you and the boys did and getting to the FA Cup final. Thank you so much. Everyone in my school had heard of QPR on the, on the Monday after the Saturday and yeah. for all the wrong reasons after the replay, but it doesn't matter about that. And that was my proudest moment. So thank you and the rest of the lads. You made me very proud. And thank you for what you've done for our football club. And Peter, please come on sometime to the podcast and come in. We'll have a pint afterwards. Absolutely, no problem. You're a good man, and um, look after that wee dog of yours. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go and feed him now. <laughs> yeah, probably about 10 people, I think. All right, big man. Thanks a million. Take Thanks. care of yourself. All right, take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Well, I don't know about you, but that actually made me happy. Yeah, it's cheered me up no end. It's good to know that we've always been ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. The, the, you know, you come to the podcast sometimes, you don't, you don't know what to expect, especially if I'm hosting, which is used to disaster. And people, yeah, David is such a better host than me. Anyway, but you come in, you don't know what to expect. We've been really good at it. It was Saturday, doesn't really mean anything. We've got Sunday, doesn't really mean anything. Listen, I could listen to that all day long, every day of the week, seven days a week, 365 days a year, because that was brilliant. That's gold. To me, as a QPR fan, that was gold. There's one thing I noticed, Paul, every player you seem to get on the podcast of a certain ethnic. 80s, 90s era, they all love QPR. Yeah. yeah they all, I mean, it was something that he was talking about when he came as a, as a young boy, 13, he said, and it just, it meant something to him. And unfortunately, the club that you and I, and the other boys, I'm a little bit older than you boys, just a wee bit. I think I'm older than you. I'm not sure. I think in, you know, 20 years time, we'll have Basingua on who'll be like, I just love the club <laughs> so much. You know? <laughs> Maybe so, but you just look at that. It was just something like when I went um, when I was a boy. I think my uh, my first team was 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 seventy six, and um, just to get up there and and my dad and my granddad and, and there's something that gets in built in your blood. And obviously, like, my, my 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 boy the other night about against the Chelsea game and they just broke down in tears and and the passion is still there. And it's something we just need to build on as a club. And maybe we, hopefully we can drop the brand. QPR team thing and maybe just become a community club again which is really which our club is about really to be honest of course it is but you know what made me kind of think about things when you're talking to like Peter Hooker your man goes back to I mean Mendes is looking at us like yeah I wasn't even thought of I'm just looking at you because I'm about to sneeze (laughs) (laughs) excellent still a point and you speak to Peter Hooker and you think 
I think you mentioned the blue and white tracksuit tops at Wembley yeah. and stuff like that. And there's little things like that that make a club. There's little things. There's just that attention to detail. Do you know what I mean? Paul, the guy, Paul makes a good point. The the most striking thing about all the people you have on your podcast from the 80s and 90s is that, they're like you say, they're, they're all sort of indoctrinating into the club. But some of them are from weird and wonderful places. Like right. David David Bardsley has got absolutely no previous connection to QPR before he got here. Simon Barker, the same. Trevor Sinclair, you know, came on at half time. He was a normal, oh, you know. None of these people had a connection to QPR before they got here, but they went away feeling like it was their club. And... You know, you don't you don't think that anybody I mean, would go away. I mean, as like you actually think that as legends as, as QPR, how many of them actually come from London? Go for the list. Stay in bowls. Right? Go for the list. How many? Of them that doesn't come necessarily from matter, though. I mean, the thing is, we were talking about this the other day, funny enough. And um, in fact, me and, me and Martin were talking about this on Twitter with Kevin Gallen, and about the fact that the club don't seem to be getting youth team players from around the year because they haven't moved in and everything else. You played for the youth team, Martin. How, how many years ago was that? Oh, my God. Uh, between 91 and 93. So, yeah, that was a so good couple of players. Years. So, how did it work in them days? I think what, what, what I was... We was reading an article and I was kind of disagreeing with it to a certain extent. And um, they've always come from far and wide. The very, I mean, there's only, there's only a very few local lads there when I was there. I mean, yeah. there really wasn't many. I mean, Kevin, obviously, Danny Dicchio, and then you had um, Trevor Chalice and Marvin yeah. Bryan from Harrow, and then me from Northolt, who the other obviously went on to be professional footballers, and I didn't. But my point being that they they were coming. I mean, even for training every day, they weren't local. They some of them Hitchin, um, Sittingbourne, Margate, you know, coming from far and wide every day, and. I don't know if that's how it is now, but I don't see many players. I don't know if they're all local lads now. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. But they, I think the, the article was saying that they're not they're not choosing local lads anymore. Well, what I kind of my point was, was they never have. And, and I said to you, I said to you, now two words, Alan McDonald. He's not a local lad, you know. But we still went thirty years ago. We were still going far and wide. I mean, the year above me was Dougie Friedman. They were all from. Three from Glasgow, three from Northern Ireland, you know, one from Sunderland. They were from all over the place. But that was different. I remember being at school. I said, well, the reason I'm a QPR fan. Well, the reason I'm a QPR fan. And Marcus' brother put the programme through the door, which basically said, Ian Stewart, Alan McDonald. I think I'm right. I could be completely wrong. A guy called Fruderton came from right, Ralph Cool, where I was from as well. And there's only three guys from Ralph Cool. And I went to Ralph Cool Primary. Then secondary, then it was like, well, you know, I might as well be a QPR fan. <laughs> 91 other clubs. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah. you know, it, it kind of grows from there. For ridiculously stupid reasons, you support a football club, don't you? You don't have to be from W12. You don't have to be from Acton. You don't have to be... You can be from a, you can be from Queensland and get QPR because you're a QPR fan. That's what I've never understood sometimes. People say, you have to be local. But what I do find because my mum lives locally to, to QPR, we don't push ourselves enough. And I've no, said this for no. a long time. I go down Abbott Grove and I'm looking and thinking, where's the QPR signs? You know, I see Fulham signs, I see Chelsea signs. God forgive me for swearing on the podcast. I don't see enough of QPR in the area. That's my point earlier in that got the whole estate there opposite the ground. And we don't, I know there's been, they've tried to plumb into that and tried, I don't, I'm not sure we've done it enough. You know, and there's, 
can't cost much to surely just no, stick up a few I mean, posters up and say we are QPR in that area. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, the, the in and around the Notting Hill, Labrook Grove. You know, that's a massive. There's a massive amount of people living there. Yeah, you know, and you, I'm not sure how many of the people who go on a Saturday are from. The, there is obviously some, but I think there's, there's not many now. They, they did a survey a few years ago in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of people, they reckon, because Eelsbury was one of the big QPRs back in the survey they did mm. back in the 90s. So, and maybe that, and that goes back again to someone else, which is quite bizarre, because I suppose of people who are born in that area, I don't include myself in that, obviously, with this stupid accent I've got, is and their grandfathers, their grandmothers, their aunties, mm. their uncles, their fathers, their mothers, their sisters, their brothers who are no longer here. It's the last link to the area. Going to Loftus Road is that you don't walk through them gates by yourself. You're walking in them gates with your family. Do you know what I mean? And they may not Paul, be here anymore. Paul, you're bang on there, mate. Yeah, right. My granddad's no longer with us, yeah. I mean, my granddad's here to play at Parkwell or things like that. And I've always got an identity when I walk in at Loftus Road. And I think, oh, even though my granddad was always an uh, edgy road man, I was in our second South Coast in front of you. It is it is a family thing. But obviously, London's, London's changed, Paul, and the area's changed. And I probably think on match days, I don't think there's probably more than that. I'd be surprised if more than 10% of the people in that, in that ground on Saturday live within five miles of the ground. I'd be amazed, okay. to be honest, yeah. Just on the, on the youth player front, what category is the youth squad, youth academy now? Well, two, about, two about to be three, despite yeah, everything, stop, that, everything that Tony Fernandez has said about focusing on the youth academy. By all accounts, it's about to be dropped at it, a grade because, yeah. you know, you can, you can promise the QPR fans on Twitter things that never happen and nothing really happens, but you can't promise the FA inspector of your academy that things will happen and then they don't and then nothing happens because we got category two by all accounts, we've got Category 2 on the promise of things that we're going to... But we don't uh, ever seem to be settling with an, an, a director of the academy. No. It, it's changed. seems to be, to me, as an outsider, and I don't pay 100% it seems it changes yeah. every six months. I can't, I can't wait to see how, if, you know, if that is right, it's and it is about to, if it is about to be downgraded, I'd love to see how Tony Fernandez is going to spin that. Because we're meant to be aiming for Category 1. To get it knocked down to Category 3, the way the EPP rules are, basically means that the lower your category is anybody if you happen to get a half decent player anybody with a higher category academy can just come and good take point. it good point so all this talk about focus on That's the academy and something yeah so Actually. if if that is right and it is going to be downgraded i can't wait to see how he's going to spin that one have any of you guys been over to um fuller's academy Yes. Uh, surprisingly not well, it's phenomenal isn't it yeah and isn't it's that isn't, isn't that frightening that fulham's academy is that good and look how badly they've done in similar circumstances to what we're approaching the championship. Yeah, but I've got to say, the whole ethos that runs for the whole <coughs> academy, the whole team plays, it's absolutely phenomenal, I've got to say. It's, I went over there with my involvement in youth football and I was actually in complete envy and I rang up as I, I nearly, not nearly in tears, but it was, and I just got to quickly how good it was and how great everybody was over there. And I thought we're 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 ten years behind that. When we, I think I'm, we're getting the the wrap up signs, and I really want to get this in because it it fits into a lot about. I'm not doing it. It, I'm fits, in, it fits into. I'm, a, I'm not Mr. Never mind. It fits into no a, offense, David. a lot of um, what we're talking about. How you get involved in QPR in the first place. Yeah. The season ticket prices next year are going to be absolutely massively massively important, and I am really worried about these because the last time we came out of the Premier League. 
the plan initially was to freeze them at the Premier League prices and pitch it as, aren't we being generous? It's a price freeze and you're getting four more matches. And it was only because the supporters groups went in there and did a really good job, which they didn't get enough credit for. And you won't blow your own trumpet, but you were involved in that. And you went in and you said, you absolutely cannot do that. It's ridiculous to be charging what are already very expensive Premier League prices in the Championship. You can't do it. And we saw when Ian Dowie was the manager briefly here, the poisonous atmosphere that can result at Loftus Road if you get a ticket price decision wrong. Because people just turn up and say, well, go on then. Let's make it worth my however many hundred quid. And it worries me that they haven't met with the supporters groups this time. There's been no word, you know, there's been no consultation or word of what they're intending to do with the season ticket prices. And if they keep them anywhere near what they are, you know, I know we're skin, you know, well, we're not skin, but we've lost a lot of money. But when you're paying Joey Barton £60,000 a week, what's the difference between charging people 500 or 700 quid for a season ticket? All right. And I'm, I'm worried that they have not consulted uh, consulted with the supporters groups this time worried what they're going to come up with when are they I don't, I don't know why they have sorry I don't know how what, you, you were in the meetings I was in last year I don't know why they haven't done that it's a shame they haven't done that um, because sometimes it works I can't I'm not going to take credit for it and other people shouldn't take credit for it but we were able to say to him like wise up a wee bit here because you know if you want to build a, a grassroots to 40,000 seat stadium you can't price if one out it's a bad start and um, I think a fair thing, you saying this, I think in it, is that everyone that's been a member for three years get free membership next season. Everyone that's had a season ticket for four years gets discount and so forth. They know the, they know the fan base, they know who to target, but if they put it up, keep it the same, it will just kill everything because... Exi- they won't put it up, surely. But you don't know... But no, but I, th- I think there's a potential that they may freeze it at this at the the rate it is now and say, well, aren't we generous for freezing the prices? You get four more games. Yeah, thanks very much. Swindon, Rotherham, yeah, that's great for seven. Um, we late, saw... Late. I remember that first game in the Dowie reign against Barnsley at home. We went 1-0 down. Say, yes. He picked Churney instead of Camp. And after 10 minutes of the season... The atmosphere in the place was absolutely horrible. And I felt the same. I felt, well, you know, you're charging me this extortionate amount and we're losing at home to Barnsley, so I'm going to give you some stick. After 10 minutes of the first game, yeah. and it's going to be tough next year. Maybe if we renew Ro- by a certain date, we'll get like speedy boarding on AirAsia flights or something. Yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> don't put it past You want to charge, if they freeze the prices, then away fans won't come at all. I mean, Rotherham fans won't pay 55, I mean, it won't be that much, but 45, 40 pounds to sit up there. They won't do it. And so the atmosphere again is is gone in that respect, you know. I don't. So they have to kind of think. They have to think long and hard about what they're going to charge people. Yeah, there are a number. Of, there think. are a number of sort of rip offs at, at QPR. Like you have to pay thirty five pound extra to, on top of your season ticket to be allowed to apply for away tickets first. And Ridiculous. You have to pay three pound fifty per booking. You know, and there's a lot of rip offs like that they could get rid of. But fundamentally, you cannot charge six, seven hundred, eight hundred pounds no. for championship football. And if you do, because it's going to be so tough next year, the atmosphere in that ground is is going to be bad. They need to really consider that. We'll probably yeah. see them. They they might keep the prices similar sort of uh, price, and then when they realise they're not selling any tickets, they'll just come up with promotions that will kind of. Um, They'll work against people who have bought a season ticket because they'll they'll sell tickets really cheap on the day. The thing is, I noticed that before actually the last time we had championship. If you actually went for the voucher thing, you're actually saving more money in the season ticket. That's wrong. 
The thing is, QPR, reward loyalty with the correct measure, and that is fill the ground with passion, get rid of the family stand in, in, in the lower loft, move it somewhere else, because I've never known a ground ever where there's nothing behind both goals, ever. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree. So much has got to change. Listen to the fans. Yeah, but the, the lower school end. Lower school end, because mm. no one's got any history there. Yeah. To be fair, lower school end, you can't say you've sat there for 50 years because you'd be lying. Mm. So we all know that. So move it to lower school end, make the provisions you can to stop the way fans above from doing anything silly. But most of all, get back the passion. We're missing the passion. This season hasn't been great. We know that. It's been a wee bit rubbish at times. The Chelsea match was good. The Man City match was good. But you're cutting them in a single hand. Mm. Every game in the second division, the old, was brilliant. Because Rangers made it in, whether it was us against the world, whether it was us with no money, whether it was us because we were there and we had no other choice but to carry the club by ourselves. We did it. And I want to do this for Tony Fernandes. I want to do this for the board. I want to do it. Because the thing is, I'm not anti-Tony Fernandes. I'm not anti-Chris Ramsey. But I want to see QPR doing well. Because if QPR are doing well, we're all, we're all happy. But what I don't want is people coming to our football club and stealing a living anymore. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of the, the, f- the full streams. What I want is a QPR that we can all share the dream. Yeah. And with that, we'll go to the origin of the show because I'm getting the wind up saying thing. You've gone off. <laughs> Chris. Chelsea losing, which is a good way to end at the moment. Chelsea losing a football game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, I've got a story about that. I'll say you quickly. For those who don't know, my my mum's not well. She's in Chelsea and Westminster Hospital. This is your This is kind of yeah, and um, I can't. I, yeah, I had a wee wee thing myself at the coffee shop, where um, below the hospital, the ground's not far away from my mum's window. You can actually see Stamford Bridge. God forgive me swearing again. And I went in, and I thought I was quite down because mum wasn't well, and I was. Uh, what do you do to have to try and cheer yourself up? All right, so the woman goes in and she goes, what's your name? Which is weird anyway, you're buying a coffee, you don't really expect someone to ask you your name. So I said, oh, um, it's QPR. And she went, well, that's a strange name. I go, that's, it's my nickname. She went, okay. So she goes, QPR. And I ignored it. And it was full of people with Chelsea bags and everything else because they'd been to the superstore and they'd been down the road and all this sort of thing. And she said it again a wee bit louder, QPR. I ignored that as well. I'm thinking, oh, and then she said it again the third time. QPR went, you ours, grab me coffee, went out the door, thought I'd done something proper. Everyone else is looking at me strangely like I was some kind of weirdo. But I made my point. <laughs> and, as small as it may be. Yeah, and I don't care if they've won the league. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Alan Partridge's autobiography where every chapter ends with, needless to say, I had the last laugh. I, I finished. <laughs> yeah, well, necessarily you might have been laughed at more than laughing. I get that. But you know what? That's the thing. I quite enjoyed that as a moment. It was, it was, it was fine. And, and um, yeah. Also, my, to be fair, my, my last hours in the show is um, James Evans has been on the podcast a few times. His dad went through an operation. I haven't had a chance to ring James, but I wish him and his dad well because his dad's have got a big bit of a battle in his hands. And hopefully you'll do that, James, and you'll get through it with your dad. And one other thing, I'm going to um, Leicester with Clive. On Sunday, we've never got the train together. Yeah, this will be an experience. Well, yeah, okay, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who's. <laughs> yeah, it's a scary. I've been waiting for you to turn around and say, "Get rid of my ticket," but you haven't yet. So. No, I said it as soon as I brought it off you. Yeah, but you you seem to be keen on going now. What do you reckon we're gonna do? You'll see. Really? What? What? What is? I don't want a relegation party. 
And oh, Gabriel, shut up. Um, I don't want a relegation because I've had enough of them. I was at the, I was at Forest. Yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah, I mean, that that was kind of mixed because actually it was quite fun. I mean, really? I was not, yeah, it was because it was, we we were we, we, we were actually laughing at ourselves. We were pretty bad. Plus that Forest game, there was the sense that you know Chris Wright was taking over the club, and it would actually all be better next year. There was a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the, the team was poor. It was. It wasn't. We lost three. Paul Murray. Paul Murray's debut that day, I think. Was it? We, it was. Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. And but we, we were, actually, were actually laughing at ourselves. No, yes. it's my show. My rules. <laughs> <laughs> so that, and that's one of the reasons why I've kind of decided to go to Leicester on Sunday. It's because it was actually quite good. Uh, it wasn't good, but it, it was kind of sad in a way. And there was actually one bit where the Forest fans come onto the pitch. Yes. And they walk. They walk right down to the end and actually applauded us. And that's kind of a kind of a nice memory. I wasn't sure how that was going to go. To be no, because it so. got. It looked like it was going to get nasty, and they started clapping. Something yeah. else that's changed these days. People run on the pitch, and it does get nasty. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was in this show. I my fault for taking it wrong, Chris. Can I go to Morton? Then we're going to Paul. Gabriel, you're an awesome fan. It doesn't really matter. I just want to say it was good yeah, to see it was good to see Travis and on a pitch at half time and I agreed with everything he said about getting young, hungry players in the club and people who aren't just, you know, stealing a living. It was quite quite fitting that he was saying that while there were loads of them in a dressing room. And didn't Darren Peacock look like he could still play? Yeah. Like, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't your yeah. Carry on, Martin. Um, but you've got to sometimes get imposing some discipline here. Yeah, There's so more discipline so. in here than there is at QPR. Just, oh, yeah, we'll, I'm, I'm looking forward to going to Leicester on Sunday, albeit with a heavy heart. You know. So we meet in the pub, probably. Okay, probably the yeah, probably the pub at half time. But I'm going anyway. And um, as I said, I don't know when I'll see them in the Premiership again. So Premier League, sorry, again. So uh, you know, let's go. I'm going. I'm going to take my boy and have some fun and uh, hopefully enjoy. I might see some players and might not see again as well. So you know. hopefully, Sean Wright Phillips. Hopefully he won't be there. So, <laughs> oh god, so, uh, but you know what I mean. Are we a bit unfair in him sometimes? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, pick on someone your own size. Shut up. Oh, harsh. Poor. I can imagine Fraser's back that's head off the wall at this point. So I'm never letting that Irish go. <laughs> it's the last one of the well, season, though, isn't it? There's two points I like to make. Yeah, actually, forget by, by August. You'll forget. There's two points I like to make. Actually, one: can we please, please Nike? And Tony Fernandez never, ever, ever have a crappy kit like we've had in a game. Because every time we have a single tiny little Tesco stripe kit, we always get relegated. Yeah. And that's how we said proper kit. There are those supermarkets available. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, and and, and some good ones. Yeah. So can we please not have a rubbish kit next season? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with last season's. Just improve it. Yeah. And two, Finney, I'm going to take, you've got to take a bit of blame, mate. What the fuck is it going to do with me? Last year we see your shorts at Huddersfield, oh, yeah. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> we get promotion. We've had no shorts in your this year, mate, yeah. And look what's happening. So you've got to shoulder a little bit of blame there, mate. We need to see them legs out. First away game of the season. Well, I think it's going to be Bristol City away. I've got a feeling, yeah. We're, we're going to be there, aren't we? We'll all be there, won't we? Yeah, of course. We've and maybe, maybe, there. maybe your shorts can come to Leicester next week. No. Start as no. you mean to go on. Yeah, come on. Come on, Philly. Make a commitment. Are you finished yet, you job shows? My R's end was going to oh, be... Unbelievable. My head to go... I make him dead right. <laughs> yeah, no. Shorts are not coming out, like. My R's end was going to be my annual plea that we start running out to Tina Turner again. Oh, you keep saying this. Because we have, never, Clive, we have never been as good as a team or a club since we stopped running out to Tina Turner in 1995. We've never finished as high in the Premier League... <laughs> 
I had a hatred, I had a hatred of yeah. pig bag anyway, so I'm, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, we yeah. should start running out to Tina. But that, I, your Chelsea story has inspired me to tell you a little Chelsea story. And don't worry, 20 minutes or so, Gabe, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Pretend he's not here. So I got, Everyone I, else does. I got a, I got a call uh, a week or so ago uh, from Jazz, who is... Yes. Regular member of our travelling party and occasional asker of intelligent questions at your live podcast, which makes her a rare breed. That was a dig and a plug. Brilliant. When is the live podcast? <laughs> Tuesday, the 26th of May, at the good ship Kilburn, but and we're coming to that. There we go. Nice plug. Paul, seriously, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so she get, get Thank ra- you for the plug. Get Sorry. random call, and uh, she says, what, uh, what programmes are you missing from the Warnock promotion season? Programmes. Match programs, yeah. Not I said uh, she says because um, there's a Chelsea fan at work, we something to get rid of. And I said, oh. uh, all right, well I'll go home and uh, I'll go home and have a look. But what is a uh, yeah. what is a Chelsea fan at the National Theatre doing with a load of uh, QPR programs? She says, well, he went on eBay and uh, got involved in a bidding war for some Chelsea memorabilia, like old programs, pennants, flags, you know, real historic stuff, back as far as 2001, maybe. And um, Is that when I was born? Yeah. And uh, so he got involved in the bidding war and his bid, his bid was accepted. So got out, the money went out of his account and the box arrived a week later. And when he opened it, it was just full of old QPR programmes. So I want to I say... <laughs> so, so, so I want to say, whoever, whoever you are, whoever you are out there, whoever you are out there, advertising Chelsea memorabilia on eBay for Chelsea fans and sending boxes of old QPR programmes out. You are my hero and this club will be okay as long as there are people like you out there. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, yeah, I'm saluting that person. In fact, if that person, who is that person, comes to the pub, I will buy you a drink and so we'll put... <laughs> Easy, steady on. Right, has anyone got anything else to say? Are we done? Right, live, po- seriously, and I, I've, I've done this before, please come to the live podcast. Without you coming and getting tickets, it's hard to carry on. We need your help. We need you to be there. We've got Kevin Gallum. We've got Lee Cook. There's myself. There's Clive. There's David. Um, we can have a laugh. We can have a crack. And we forget about the relegation. And this podcast is dedicated to the memory of Kayan Prince. Rest in peace, fella. QPR. Why not come to the live recording of the QPR podcast on the 26th of May at the good ship Kilburn. Doors open at 7. Um, we're joined by Lee Cook, Kevin Gallen and hopefully a few QPR surprises along the way where you can ask legends questions. Talk to other QPR fans, and you can also purchase tickets by going to www.qprpod.co.uk or go to the Good Ship website and purchase them directly from there. Hope to see you all there and have a good crack. Cheers. The QPR podcast is a West 12 Media and Burble Media production.